is Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True, True Crime, Crime New, New England. England. Hey, everybody. Happy New Year. Hello. Welcome back. Can't believe it's 2022. I know. Did you guys miss us on our holiday hiatus? I sure did. <laughs> I missed the sleep I got. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Even though we were on hiatus, we were doing a lot of work. We were doing a lot of behind the scenes, Yes, but we still got a good vacay. It was yeah, fun. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. I mean, you know, how were your holidays? They were good. Yeah, they what'd you good. do? Um, I worked, actually. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Me too. Yeah. yeah. I had Christmas off, but I worked oh. overnight Christmas Eve into yeah. Christmas Day, which honestly I'm fine with because yeah. it's time and a half. Damn straight. So I was like, all right. And then I worked New Year's Eve into New Year's Day, which like that sucks, but... Me too. It's also time and a half, so I'm like, whatever. I'm whatever. Make that money. Yep. I had the same exact schedule. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I put myself on call for Christmas night because I was like, just in case, but of course they didn't need me. Right. They're not doing elective surgeries or elective C-sections, you know, or elective induction, so nobody's having a baby unless they were having a baby. Right. So they want a clear house, so there was nothing for me to do there. Perfect. So I just slept. Because I had to be to within, me. I had to be within half an hour of the hospital. Oh, that's right. That's unfortunately not including my home in Exeter. So I just slept and enjoyed my cat's presence as I always do. So I feel sounds good. I feel. And now for the new year. Oh my god! I'm sure all of you guys are wondering, what are these darn ladies having on their resolution list? <laughs> that's a great question, you guys. Katie, do you have any New Year's resolutions? Yeah, so I used to be against them, like, you don't have to have resolutions for the new year, but now I'm like, you know what, I can use it to hold myself accountable for things. Okay. Um, I've been working on making my food and, like, the things that I cook more colorful. Oh. So adding a lot more produce. Sure. Um, And then also being more sustainable, so I've been composting a lot, but... Good. Yeah, just, like, making sure I don't forget my reusable bags, and, Mm -hmm. I mean, I thrift everything anyway, but... I've been gearing towards, like, for Christmas gifts. That was mm-hmm. a good example of, like, I tried to be sustainable for the things I got for people for Christmas right. versus ordering off of Amazon or getting something from a fast fashion company. Right. So, yeah, I'm just working to continue on. and Good. Yeah. That's great. And it's funny you mention that because for Christmas, you got, well, we both got one, but you got me yes. um, a reusable True Crime New England bag. Yeah, a little tote bag. Yeah, so that's awesome. That I think that's already a win in your book because you are ho- holding on to that and helping me with it too. So that's pretty neat. And I got one for myself. Of course. Obviously. Of course. You can't not. Right. I mean, I got bumper stickers made and I gave one to you. That was my goal, but I had to buy a whole bunch. So of course I took one. Oh my God, of course. And I handed them out to everyone I know. So Of course. It's fine. What are your New Year's resolutions, Liz? It's funny you ask that, because I actually have a New Year's resolution regarding this podcast. Really? Yes, and you might not like it so much. That's okay. My goal is to not say fuck so often. Wow. Yes. Now, don't, guys, don't get upset and don't get excited, because I'm going to say fuck, but I'm going to try and not say it so often. Sounds not good, yeah. every sentence needs to have fucking as, like... An exclamation, you know? And I feel like it might help our listeners, maybe, who aren't so fond of that Grammy, um, feel less intimidated. I don't know what the right word is, but I, and I also feel like it's appropriate for me to maybe try not to. Because, you know, it's just something to kind of work on. 
I do say fuck a lot in real life. Yeah. Of course, my family and friends are like, no, you don't. I'm like, you, clearly you, yeah. I, you don't spend a lot of time with me in my most honest, vulnerable moments. Because I'm right. like, fucking shit, fuck this. So, oh, it's cool. happening. So we'll try. Hold Sounds me accountable. Good. Yeah. You're my... I'll do it less, too, in support. You already do it less than I do. Right, but... <laughs> You're good about it. If we're toning it down, we can both tone it down. Okay. That's I fine. figure it was would just be appropriate for yeah. some people who are just turning in and they're like, whoa. Whoa. Yeah, I'm what is like, wrong with and these And then girls. this fucker took his fucking hands and he <laughs> filled the fucking bag with fucking beans. Like, what? <laughs> they, nobody needs to hear that so often, you know? That's valid. So, although, to be fair, a lot of the time it is appropriate. Yeah. Because we're talking about some crazy shit. I think it's okay, but... I'll tone it down. Cool. Now, anyway, guys, we are so excited to be back, to be recording again in the year of 2022. That's insane. What the fuck? Um, See, I just did it already. Swore again. (laughs) Oh, my God. But we're very excited because we have a crazy lineup of cases for you guys. Oh, my God. And this one today, we're coming back with a bang for sure. Oh, my God. Now, if you've listened to our trailer, which I would say of all the people who listen to our podcast, maybe four of you did, because it has so <laughs> like little, yeah, yeah, statistically, yeah. it has so little listens comparatively, just because, you know, um, we mentioned a few teaser cases that we'd be covering. One of them was the Salem Witch Trials, which we did. Check. Check, check. That was in October. Our spooky Halloween extravaganza, yes. VIP, uh, naughty <laughs> or nice, yeah. uh, week of fun. I don't know. Um, so we did that, and another one that we mentioned was today's episode. Yes, and so it's been a long time coming. So the fact that it's twenty six episodes in, we just we teased it to you guys just long enough. So I think it's time for sure. You think so? I think so. It'll be good. I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Because it's... We don't often do, like, historical... That's a lie. We definitely do. We did Lizzie Borden. We did the Salem Witch Trials. How far back would you go for historical? We did Goody Cole. True. Yeah, since the 1600s, yeah. Yeah. She was in the early... I mean, listen. Listen. But this is pretty... It's historic. Yes. And it's a huge part of New England's history. For sure. So we're really excited to talk about it. And without further ado, we will be covering The The Isle of Shoals Murders. And it wouldn't be an episode of True Crime in New England, even if we're in the year 2022, if we did not start out with our sources. And in the change of events for the new year, nothing is going to happen at all. I'm still going to ask you, Katie, if you could just real quick lay down your sources for me. Um, to keep up with nothing changing, really, yeah. I'm going to say that one of my sources was Wikipedia. Sure. Happens. Um, followed by the lineup, atlasobscura.com, seacoastnewhampshire.com, newengland.com, <laughs> and then Murder by Gaslight, which was yes. such a good source. They do a lot of historical murders anyway so they were really cool for this yes they did a great job they had a lot of good stuff Mm -hmm. 
And as usual, I had all of those as well, especially Wikipedia. Yes. Um, and I actually listened to something called Weird Darkness Podcast. Ooh. Yeah, it was this podcast on YouTube that I found. And he did a whole bunch of them, but the first story he covered was this case. Oh, sick. So I listened to that, and he did a great job. And it was good to hear all the pronunciations and stuff. And mm-hmm. just like, okay, all right. So thank you to Weird Darkness Podcast. It was pretty interesting. So I got my stuff from him, and cool. then... Murder by Gaslight, I just can't. That was so good. Such a good resource. For sure. Especially with these cases that are, like, really old. Yes. You know? Um, Oh, you guys. So before we get started going into the details, so this is the Isles of Shoals murders, but the Isles of Shoals, if you guys don't know, they're a set of islands. Mm -hmm. And so some of these islands are in New Hampshire. Most of them are in New Hampshire. But the one we're talking about today is technically in Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Smutty Nose Island. And if you guys have heard of Smutty Nose Brewing Company out of Portsmouth, New Hampshire, they're named after this island. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's really important to say because, you know, this stretch of island is only six miles off the coast of both New Hampshire and Maine. Mm-hmm. So it goes right across state lines, which, like you said, and that's pretty fucking annoying. Yeah. See? Right there. Already said fuck. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I'm learning. But it is, you know, it is technically in Maine, so, Mm -hmm. you know, we're referring to this as a Maine case. Yeah, for sure. But it's pretty interesting because there's nine islands, and they're all pretty small, actually. So the island we're talking about um, today in our case, the Smutty Nose Island, is only 25 acres long. And that's the third largest island. Yeah. So it's pretty small. Um, The largest island is Appledore, which is still... I mean, they're all tourist attractions to this day. Like, people take ferries and little dories out to it. Like, mm-hmm. it's totally, you know, a hot spot. Um, it all comes from the Piscataqua River, which is the um, bridge, like, we cross to go from New Hampshire to Maine, mm-hmm. etc. Um, so that river goes out into the ocean, and that's where the Isles of Shoals are. Yeah. So just a little geography for you guys. For sure. Um, and so, obviously, New England, we have our very long, dreary winters. Mm-hmm. Um, these islands are especially bitter cold and just yep. horrific in the winter. So somebody knows Island, the one in Maine, to this day, it's not occupied. Nobody right. lives in it. But um, the case we'll talk about today, it was the only occupied house at the time. So it was just this one kind of extended family situation living in a house mm-hmm. on the island by themselves. Oof. And so that's what makes it all the more terrifying. Yeah. That's so creepy, mm-hmm. especially when you're on an island, you have nowhere to go. You have nowhere to go. As we'll talk about. You can't run to a neighbor's house and bang on the door and ask for help. Right. Yeah, so it's it's just crazy. You are your own neighbors. Yes. All right, so should we get into it? Let's do it. All right. Do you want to tell the listeners about the haunt vets? Yeah. Maybe so a little sweet. bit. So back in 1866, John and Marin haunt vet, they left Norway for America. So they're Norwegian. Woo. Cool little family. Mm -hmm. Um, They're on their way to the promised land. Yep. And they were in Boston for a little bit, and they didn't really like it. It wasn't wasn't really for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So they bought a house on Smutty Nose Island in Maine. So John bought a fishing schooner. He named it the Clarabella. And soon he had earned enough money to arrange for his brother Matthew and then Marin's sister Karen Christensen to come to America from Norway to join them. Right. Marin was lonely. She's kind of keeping up the house by herself. Mm -hmm. John's out on the boat all day, mostly into the late evening, honestly. Um, So she's kind of putzing around the house, like, okay, I guess I'll make it look pretty, and I guess I'll keep up the house, but I'm really fucking lonely, and it's dreary as fuck out here. Right? 
Um, yeah, so she she was she like, was we need more people in this house. Yeah, because John, his fishing business with the Clarabella was doing pretty well. Yeah. And so, of course, you know, they live on this island, but they're the only ones that live on this island. So John goes to make the money so they can stay on said island. Yes. And Marin is just, you know, interior decorating, gardening when she can. She They have a dog, Ringa, but how much... How long is it going to take before you're like, okay, I need someone to talk to during the day. You row 10 miles to work every day. I go stir crazy. Yeah. Like the dog is good company, but you can't have a conversation with it. (laughs) I mean, you could if you got real crazy. This is true. Once he starts talking back to you, that's when you tell your husband. (laughs) But so, like you said, John's fishing business was doing really well. He was going back to Portsmouth um, in the wharfs there and just selling the fish he got and then buying bait and then doing it all again the next day. Mm-hmm. So he was doing really well. So he was like, Auburn, Karen, your sister, my love. And then Matthew, my bro, hey, what's up? You want to come help me fish? And so he did. Great. Now there's four people on the island. That's cool. Yeah. And now he's got Matthew to help him with his fishing business. Which is growing because it's doing so well. Yeah. Which is great. And it's actually growing so much to the point where they're able to hire somebody. Nice. Um, they hire 28-year-old Lewis Wagner. He was a Prussian immigrant from Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Um, they ended up hiring him in the spring of 1872, just in exchange for room and board. So that was pretty neat that they did that for him, I guess. Yeah. Because um, now he had a place to live. Yeah, which is cool. I mean, he normally wouldn't have accepted that offer. He was kind of mm-hmm. like, room and board, that's it. I want to be making more money. But he didn't really have the best reputation with the other fishermen out of Portsmouth. Yeah. So he was going to kind of take whatever he could get at that point. It says in a lot of the sources that he was kind of sketchy. Yes. Like, people felt that he was always, like, lurking in the shadows. Yeah. Which is so bizarre. And you don't think about a real-life person that way. You think of somebody in a movie or in a book as roaming in the shadows and like you look over and they're peering out from behind a wall but this is literally how this guy was described yeah like he gave people the heebie-jeebies yes and so when he got this offer like you said he really couldn't refuse it yeah but now john had him his brother and lewis to help him with his fishing business so that was helpful and Marin still had karen so they're buddies great yeah we're doing happy doing good for you um lewis i guess He said he enjoyed the stability of, Mm. you know, room and board and being able to work with them. He also said he liked having two women to take care of him, Mm. which that makes the hair on the back of my neck stand Mm. up. So glad we could service you. What's going on? Like, that's disgusting. Um, Yeah, and he often struggled with flare-ups of rheumatism, which is also known as rheumatoid arthritis, so it would make it a little difficult for him to be fishing nonstop, working the long hours, so he'd sometimes be laid up in bed. I guess the women of the house would have to take care of him, but it's like, that's kind of creepy to me. Yeah. Like, he's using them as his own personal... He got too comfy, it sounds like. Yeah. And while rheumatism is a perfectly valid reason to take a sick day every once in a while, because it is effective of your joints and other things, I think he just got real comfortable with having women dote over him. So creepy to me. Yeah. And... Imagine his happiness and surprise when the fishing business kept getting better and better. So John was able to send out for Marin and Karen's brother, Ivan, and his wife, Annette. Now, before we continue, 
depending on the source you get it from, the spelling of Annette is always the same, but the pronunciation is different. So some people pronounce it Annette. Some places, I think the Norwegian pronunciation is Anate. Yeah. Or obviously I'm saying it like a, like a white American, but like, <laughs> you know, in a Norwegian accent, it would be... Yeah. Closer to Anate. Anate. But Annette would be the more Americanized pronunciation. That's my understanding. Yeah. So, um, yes. Yeah, so John brought over Ivan and his wife, Anate Christensen. Mm-hmm. And at this point, that meant there was, you know, four men helping with the fishing business and three women on the island. John kind of was like, okay, Louis, listen, my brother is here and my wife's brother is also here. I think we're just going to stick with like the whole family thing. If you wouldn't mind, like if you could not work for me anymore. He fired him basically. Yeah. Yeah. Amicably though, it sounded like it was kind of amicable. Yeah, it sounded okay. Yeah, because Lewis actually ended up leaving the house about five weeks after the latest guests arrived. Yeah. And he went to the Portsmouth Wharves, and he actually got a job on another schooner. This one was called the Addison Gilbert. Ooh. Unfortunately, almost immediately, the Addison Gilbert shipwrecked, and Lewis was out of a job once again. Yeah. So that sucks. He was, you know, just kind of walking around the wharves looking for jobs, barely making rent. Lurking in the shadows. What he does best. <laughs> and that was really unfortunate for him, but it sounds like they had a good amicable, amicable breakup. Mm-hmm. And now it was just, you know, Lewis was on his way, and now all these, the hot vents were so happy to have all this family surrounding them at their island. It didn't feel so lonely anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really important for Marin because she was going crazy. Yes. So it seemed like life was kind of turning around. It seemed like life was okay, um, but this did kind of put Lewis in a little bit more of a desperate situation financially. Yeah. Um, which we'll get into that yeah. a little bit. Poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this puts us about the evening of March 5th, 1873. So Ivan, John, and Matthew, they all went to Portsmouth, New Hampshire around 4 p.m. ish to pick up a shipment of bait for mm-hmm. their fishing company. Right. Um, but they found out that the shipment would be delayed. It was going to come by train from Boston. Yeah. So there's really not a whole lot they could do besides wait for it. And so they realized they were going to be stuck in Portsmouth overnight. Right. So they sent word to the women of the home and they're like, we're going to have to be here mm-hmm. overnight. We're not going to make it home. Don't wait up for us. No worries. Right. And so th- I think that's so funny that they had to send a neighbor be like from another island and be like, hey, on your way back to Appledore, can you just shout yeah. To the ladies that <laughs> yeah. will be home tomorrow by noon or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's really funny, too, because um, nowadays a train from Boston to Portsmouth is, what, 45 minutes? Yeah, if that. If that. Maybe if it's making a bunch of other stops, like an, an hour, hour, an hour and a half. Yeah. So not a big deal. But no. back then, it was a big deal. Yeah. So, you know, the whole thing was that, like I said earlier, they caught the fish, sold it, used that money to buy baits. They would set their lines for the next day and then go home and then come back and fish again. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they had to wait for the bait because they had to set up their lines, that just meant, you know what, it'd be easier if they stayed in Portsmouth. Yeah, for sure. And John and the men were comfortable enough that they could probably afford like a little hotel or whatever. Yeah, or like a room in a boarding house or something. You know, they they weren't sleeping on the streets. Like they would be fine. Yeah, they could probably even sleep on the boat. True, yeah. You know? 
I mean, it's a schooner, so there's probably a bit room for at least one of them. Yeah. <laughs> but regardless, they were staying in Portsmouth, and mm-hmm. the ladies knew that. They they got the, the message from the neighbor. They got the shout. And so it was ironic because while they were on the shore and they were on the docks, they ran into Lewis. Oh. And they were like, hey, Lou, what's up? What's going on? A <laughs> long like, time no see. Hey, he was in tatters. Complete tatters. He was clearly not eating well. Mm -hmm. His clothes were torn. His shoes were, like, barely holding together. And he was all scraggly. Like, you could tell he was falling on hard times. Yeah. And that kind of sucked to see. So I'm sure John was like, oh, did I I do that? Right. Is this on me? Is this my fault? Yeah. So, but he was really nice because he offered Lewis. He was like, hey, we're here waiting for these bait shipments to come in when they come in do you want to help us bait the line for a little money and lewis was like oh my god thank you cool does that mean you guys are like gonna be here overnight and they were like yeah yeah we're just gonna wait for however long it takes we heard it's running late we probably won't be home until the morning like we're not gonna leave until the morning and lewis Mm -hmm. was like oh my god that's crazy wow you poor guys i'm gonna just run a quick errand I'll be right back to help you bait your lines. That's a great idea. I'd love to do that for you. I'd love to make more money. Cool. So that was that. And the men were like, great, we have more help. Maybe it won't take so long. La la la. So wouldn't it be a shock that when the bait arrived a little past midnight, all of a sudden, Lewis is nowhere to be found. There was no Lewis on that dock. And you know why? Because he was kind of far away. Yeah. Um, around the time that Lewis found out that these men would be in Portsmouth overnight, he, you know, left. Oh, I'll be right back. BRB. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 8 p.m. that night, around there, a rowboat was stolen from Pickering Wharf in Portsmouth. Oh, a rowboat. That's and it's so... actually so crazy because whoever stole this boat yeah. rowed a whole ass five hours. Holy from Portsmouth to the Isles of Shoals, specifically Smutty Nose Island. Interesting. Where the three women in the only house on the island were just getting ready to go to bed. Go to bed, right, because it was now, like, late. Super convenient. They were like, oh, you know what? Maybe the men were going to come home. It's midnight now. Yeah, they're not coming back tonight. We should just get some rest. Yeah, time for bed. Right. Great. Yeah. This brings us now into the night and then the early morning of March 6th, 1873. Right. So you have Karen, Marin, and Annette. They're all on the island. They're, you know, the men are on at Portsmouth waiting for the shipment, whatever. So they're huddling and they're cold and they're hanging out, whatever. I don't know what women do at midnight in the 1870s. (laughs) But... You know, they're getting tired. It's time to go to bed. So Marin and Annette bundle up and go to bed in the bedroom. And Karen decides to make like a makeshift bed near the wood stove, presumably, Mm -hmm. in the kitchen. So she's made like this bed of blankets. We've all done it. We've all done it. A little sleepover. Yeah. Yeah. She's sleeping on the floor in the kitchen. No big deal. Totally fine. She was over on Appledore Island, like the main... Mm -hmm. Technically the most populated island. Right. Um, Not saying a lot for the Isles of Shoals. Yeah, really. It's a little... most populated. Yeah. There was four people on it instead of three. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she was working at a hotel on Appledore Island, so Mm -hmm. she had stopped over to see her family, and she's like, you know what, I'm just going to stay over. Right. You guys are lonely. The men are gone. We'll do a little 
girls' night. night. Exactly. <laughs> Catch up, yeah. you know, shoot the shit. They painted their nails, and they gossiped, and they talked about periods. Tried a bottle of wine, well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but either way, um, Marin and Annette were sleeping in the bedroom, but it was all on the first floor, so yeah. they were really just... Like, next to each other. Exactly, just yeah. a couple feet away, if that. So, this is where our friend aforementioned Lewis, mm-hmm. we discover now that he's the one with the rowboat that he stole, and he gets to the island. Now, instead of parking, docking the boat on where they usually dock the boat, he goes to the other side of the island and is like, this way I can make a clean getaway. Get out of here, not a trace. And so they're like, cool. He's like, cool. Now... He gets to the house. He sees that all the lights are off. He's like, great, this is my opportunity. I know that the men are in Portsmouth. I know that the feeble, weak women, the the worst sex, are on... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know if he said that. But he probably felt more comfortable knowing that it was just women home right. and not the men. And so he took his opportunity. He was down on his luck. So, you know, Exactly. This is the perfect opportunity. Yeah. Very opportunistic. Absolutely. So he parks his stolen boat, and he starts creeping up, and, you know, he tried the door and found that it was unlocked, probably because the women were like, well, in case they do come home in the middle of the night. Right, and also, who the fuck is going to break in? They're They're on an island in the middle. Exactly, exactly. The only ones on an island. I would have my door unlocked, too, I think, if I was on an island by myself with my sisters, and that was it. I agree. So he tried it, found it was unlocked, and the first thing he did was he crept in and he put like a piece of wood in the mm-hmm. latch of the door where Marin and Anate were sleeping and that's when the dog Ringya started barking. Now it probably wasn't like a who the fuck are you bark but like I remember this guy bark bark bark. Right. Or like oh my god somebody's home, someone's Yay! coming in, everyone's sleeping. Oh my yeah. gosh, like someone's here. Yeah. I know when my dog wasn't 86,000 years old. He used to bark <laughs> When he could hear, he would bark at everyone who opened the door. So it makes right. sense. Like, he probably just was like, what's up? Yeah. You know? Hey, what's going on? Unfortunately, though, this woke up Karen, yep. who was asleep in the kitchen, which was now brought to the attention of Lewis, who was like, oh, there's someone right here. There's someone right here. And it caught him so off guard, he paused, mm-hmm. and then he picked up a chair and hit Karen over the head with a chair and he starts beating her in the head and the body with this chair. Yeah. And it's so dark. It's pitch black. They don't have electricity. Karen doesn't know who's hitting her. Right. She thinks it's John. She thinks the men have returned. Right. Because that makes sense. Because, you know, they were expecting them to come home eventually. Right. So she yells out, John, is that you? Because she saw a man, you know, a tall, dark figure shrouded by darkness. She's not going to know. Logically, her brain goes, oh, right, they're it's home. John. And so she says, John, you scared me. And then she starts being hit over the body with a wooden chair. So hearing this, Marin is awoken. She's like, what? John is home? Like she hears, you know, and she hears her sister screaming. She's like, what's going on? And this is when, oh my God, it's so crazy because Karen goes, John's killing me. John's killing me. What? Insane. Crazy. 
Um, and so just for a little bit of a timeline for events, the chair, as he's beating Karen over the face, over the head, over the mm-hmm. body with it, when he's bringing the chair back over his head to hit her again, mm-hmm. the chair catches on the clock and knocks it onto the floor and the clock breaks and it stopped at 1.07 a.m. Cryptic as fuck. Yeah. That is so creepy. Isn't that insane? Ugh. Yeah. But a perfect narrative for... Like a story, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's perfect timing. For sure. And then one of the blows from the chair actually knocked Karen against the door. Right. Where he had kind of jerry-rigged it to keep it from opening. Right. And so now Marin was able to get the door open. Right. And kind of see what was going on. Now, remind you guys, it's still pitch black. It's one oh seven in the morning. Yep. Karen thinks that it's John. It's 1873. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so she's now beaten to a bloody pulp because yeah. she's, you know, been hit with a wooden chair 86 times or whatever. I, that's not a real number. I made that up. <laughs> um, but so she's hurting, and then Marin is like, what the fuck? She has no idea what's going on. She thinks maybe, is her husband hurting her sister? What? But she sees her sister, and she's like, oh, shit. And so she manages to get Karen into the bedroom where Annette is still sleeping, or like, you know, she's probably awake now, but where yeah. they're cowering, and lock the door. So she barricades it, locks it, and she's like, shit, I don't know what's happening, but um, we need to get out of here. Yeah, it's really bad, whatever's going on. Now Karen is a bloody mess, and Annette is like, freaking out, Marin is freaking out, but she seems to be the most centered and most like, yeah. okay. Calm, cool, collected, as override. much as you can be right. in that situation. Right. right. So she's like, you bitches and she tells Annette get out and she goes the windows open she says get out and Annette jumps out of the window it's the first floor she crawls out of the window in just her nightgown now it's literally the very beginning of March in New Hampshire Maine and it's fucking the middle of the night so it's just a touch chilly there's snow on the ground yep this woman is barefoot in just her nightgown. She's yep. freezing. Yep. Adrenaline's pumping. hmm So she freezes in fear. Yeah. She freezes. Yeah. I don't blame her, honestly. She's she's not wearing any shoes. She's standing on the snow. hmm And Marin is like, run. R- like, run. Go. Get out of here. And then she realizes that um, the perpetrator, you know, John, quote-unquote, has kind of figured out what they were doing, walked out of the house, and is now standing right next to Annette. And now he's armed with an axe that he grabbed from a pile of wood Mm -hmm. nearby that um, they use for chopping wood and for chopping ice. Yeah. So this is when, in the moonlight, Annette sees the face of the, the perpetrator. And then she screams out, Lewis! Lewis, Lewis. I don't know if that's the correct inflection, but, you know, however she screamed it out, she screams out Lewis. Yeah. And you may remember from, I don't know, 15 minutes ago, we were talking about Lewis Wagner, the Prussian immigrant who worked briefly for John. So immediately Marin's like, it's Lewis. It's not my husband, John. It's Lewis. Mm-hmm. Which is like, mind blown. Right, and Marin is watching through the window mm-hmm. all of this unfold. So she's like, what the, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And then she watches Lewis lift up the axe 
and bring it down on Annette's head, crushing her skull. Oh, my God. So once he kills Annette, he sprints back into the house and starts pounding on the bedroom door that Marin had locked. Yeah. And Marin is trying to get Karen help. Like, okay, Karen, come on, come on. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. He's trying to break down the door. We have He's a few breaking seconds. down the door, pounding. Yeah. Marin fully takes in the situation with... Karen and realizes that she's dying of her wounds and it's really bad and there's no way she can save her. Yeah. And it's really sad because it said that Karen was kneeling on the ground. She's bloody. She's beaten. She has her head on the bed and she's saying, no, too tired. Like she can't go on. And so Marin had to make a decision for herself, unfortunately. And so she decides, you know what? He's going to break in any fucking second. My sister's dying. My sister-in-law is dead. Axe murdered right outside the window. I watched it happen, remember? And so she's like, I have to run. I have to run. And so that's exactly what she does. So she climbs out the window. Not, and I think it's important to mention, she does grab Ringia, the dog. She grabs the dog. Yeah. Hey, listen. That's incredible. Yeah. But it's also genius, and we'll tell you why in a second. Yes. Um, so she, you have to remember, she's wearing a nightgown, too. And she's barefoot. And she's barefoot. Mm-hmm. And it's March in New England in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. On an island. Marin is in barely anything warm. Right. She's climbing out the window actively. Yep. Holding this dog. Yep. And Lewis breaks in. He gets in right on time. He has the axe. Still. He's swinging the axe at her. Mm-hmm. She barely makes it through the window when he smashes the axe down and it actually catches the frame mm-hmm. and the windowsill of the window that she was climbing out of. Yeah. And it broke it clean off. Yeah. It that, missed her by inches. Imagine if that was her head or her body. It missed her by oh, inches. Oh my god. So as Marin is running through the snow, carrying her dog, she hears the intruder start to hit Karen oh. over the head with an axe. Yeah. And then she turns and watches him strangle her sister with a handkerchief that was in the house. So not only was she beaten with a chair and hit with an axe, he decides to finish it all off with a fucking handkerchief. By strangling her. Just terrible. And there's your sister, freezing cold, watching this in horror, next to the body of her dead Mm sister-in-law. So she's panicking. She knows there's... The only thing she can do is run. So she runs, and she runs, and she's thinking the first place she wants to go is to the dock and get, see if she can get on the boat and get the fuck out of there. But like we said earlier, Lewis, he parked his boat on the other side of the island. Yeah. Anticipating this kind of thing. So now she's like, well, shit, I'm trapped. And so she's like, I need to go hide. So she starts to go to the hen house. Mm Mm-hmm. And then she realizes, like a fucking badass, oh wait, this is going to be the first place he looks. Correct. And she's right. And so she's like, shit. And she runs, and she ends up actually hiding behind a rock. A big old rock with Ringa in her arms. She stays there for eight hours. Eight hours. She holds this little dog. I don't know if it's little. She holds this dog in her arms, using him for warmth and her fucking nightgown. Barefoot. Barefoot. Yeah, on the coast of an island. Yeah, It's freezing. Yeah. It's freezing. And this is actually what saves her life, is Mm -hmm. the warmth of this dog. Yep. It's crazy. It's just awful. So she waits it out until dawn. Mm -hmm. Lewis leaves the island. Before he leaves, he drags Annette's body out from outside into the kitchen. Mm -hmm. 
brews himself a pot of tea. It's been a long night. What an asshole. Yeah. He ate some food. Mm-hmm. And he also ransacked the entire house and found, get this, guys, $16, which is so much money. It's like $360 today. Which, honestly, not a lot. Not a lot. But honestly, if you're broke and desperate and you've fallen on very hard times, you're going to get what you can take. Yeah, that's true. So that's what he did. But then once he, you know, had his little tea break, he got back in his stolen boat and rode Mm -hmm. back to Portsmouth. La, la, la. And he made it back there before dawn. He left a trail of bloody footprints all over the place okay. on the island as he was actively looking for Marin. Right. He's leaving a trail. There's blood stains on the handle of the teapot that he used yeah. to make tea. He didn't even think, I'm going to just wash up real quick before I make this tea. Right. No, not even a little. So Marin is still hiding. She waits until after dawn for daylight. Just mm-hmm. daylight has to come and she'll be okay. Right. She was able to run to Malaga, which is a small neighboring island that was connected to Smutty Nose, mm-hmm. kind of by, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with New England coastline, but mm. sometimes during low tide, there'll be almost a path of rocks. Yeah, called a sea break, I think. Yes, yeah. yeah. So she was able to run along that. Oh, this must have been so cold. Freezing cold. Ugh, it's like still a little bit of water. It's not like it was completely, it was and wet. And she's barefoot. Her yeah. feet are, she probably can't feel her feet. Yeah, I bet you should Carrying this dog. Yeah thinking that maybe this guy's still on the island, he's going to come for me. Yeah. So she runs to this neighboring island, and then she has to shout over the water. Yeah. She can just see Appledore Island, and she saw some kids were outside playing. Mm-hmm. She's screaming for help, screaming for help, waving her arms. You have to help me, help me, help me. Yeah. Oh, my God, help me. One of the kids grabbed their father mm-hmm. and was like, um, there's this woman in a nightgown clutching her dog. Maybe something's wrong. Yeah. So this man rode over and then helped her. And helped her. Thank Mm. God. Because Jesus Christ. And it's crazy because, you know, and I feel like this is a good theme of any, like, historic case of, like, a crime. But once, you know, Marin was rescued, quote unquote, by this nice man, um, you know, there's other men who heard about it on this island. And they kind of gathered in a group and set out the smutty nose with, you know, like, pitchforks and... Like, oh, we're going to get this guy. We're going to get this fucker. And you know what? Good on them for trying, because that's, you know, I like that team initiative there. Right. Um, So they did go back to Smutty Nose, and all they could find was the awful, awful scene that Marin described. Except now, Annette's body was in the kitchen Mm -hmm. next to Karen's body. Um, They were bloodied, beaten, and it turns out that... um, Annette was also strangled. He strangled her afterwards, even though she was very much dead. There was a piece of cloth wrapped around her throat. Yep. So, um, the men continued to search. They actually went to Appledore, that bigger island, and looked for him there, but to no avail. He wasn't there. Um, and then a few hours later, I hope you guys didn't forget about John, Ivan, and Matthew, because now they're like, ooh, what a morning. We stayed up all night. We... Got the bait on the lines. I can't wait to go home to our three lovely women. Maybe they'll have breakfast for us. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, God. No, 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 no. They had no idea what they were about to get themselves into. They had no fucking clue. So when the men with torches and pitchforks and the whole works had gone onto Swinino's Island, they left kind of a signal to tell the men when they returned to go to Appledore Island. Right. Um, Marin was waiting for them. The men had returned to the cottage to find the horrific scene. Mm. 
They were angered. Yeah. They were heartbroken. So upsetting. Yeah. Just so awful. I mean, this was Ivan's wife. Right. Annette. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, Marin's sister, Karen. But they all knew... They were all living in such close proximity. They're all family. It just right. Was They're so all horrible. family. They all love each other. Yeah. They get along so well. They have a grand old time on the island. It's so awful. they come home and see the house just completely ransacked. Yep. And so this is what they find. Annette's body was found. She was half frozen. She was lying face up in the center of the kitchen. Um, her lower extremities were unclothed. Um, and she had a cloth tied tightly around her neck. Um, one of the coroners that did the, like, initial investigation, autopsy, said that Annette's head was battered to pieces and that it was covered with wounds, and in the vicinity of the right ear, there were two or three cuts that broke through the skull so that the brain could be seen through running through them. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then Karen Christensen's body, um, she was also partially naked, uh, and she had been thrust under the bed. Mm. I know, so barbaric. She had been strangled, seemingly, with a cloth or scarf, like you said, that um, Marin witnessed from mm-hmm. the outside the window. And it was tied to her so tightly around her neck that her, quote, tongue protruded and her eyes bulged, Oh, my quote. God. And her feet were also straightened out, quote, as if she had been in great agony, quote. Yeah. So, isn't that fucked? That's awful. Yeah. And they, I can't even, the bodies actually had to stay on the island. They were there for, like, another day. Uh, uh, they had to leave him before they could bring him back to Portsmouth. Yeah. So can you imagine your sister and your sister-in-law's dead bodies just sitting on this island? Your home? It's tragic. It's fucking tragic. It's just atrocious. So meanwhile, our friend Louis Wagner, oh. witnesses said that he was in Portsmouth in the morning and he ate breakfast at his boarding house, but they also described him as looking haggard and as though he had not slept. I wonder... Hmm. So he ended up packing his bags after breakfast. He got on the 9 a.m. train to Boston, where ever so conveniently, he purchased brand new clothes, got a haircut, and shaved his beard. Oh. The grand total of all of those purchases would be around $16. $16. Just so crazy because that's the exact amount that was stolen from the Hunt Vet house. Weird. So, all while he's in Boston, getting a new outfit, trying to clean himself up, shave his beard, disguise himself a little bit, yeah. Marin is telling authorities what happened. Of course. And she's telling the authorities what she saw and what she heard her sister say as she was dying. Louis, Louis, Louis. Mm-hmm. Or, Louis, Louis, Louis. Or perhaps, Louis? Louis. <laughs> all we know is she said it like three times. Right. Um, so, she's telling... The police that and they're like oh and it turns out they kind of knew who he was oh for he's sure a sketchy character he's a shady character yeah right so they so, were like oh we know this guy and their right. first thought was okay well he's not at the boarding house where else could he be well he used to live in boston why don't we check out there yeah Good so idea. this fucking idiot <laughs> he got a disguise he thinks mm-hmm. he's all cleaned up no one's gonna recognize yep. him He goes to a neighborhood in the north end of Boston where he was well-known and had previously lived. Yeah. So everyone's like, oh my God, Louis, what's up? Long time no see. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And so when the news breaks, like, hey, we're looking for Louis Wagner. Yeah, it broke Everybody in the neighborhood's like, oh my God, no way. You don't say he was just here. Yeah. That's so So crazy. So 
needless to say, he was found very quickly. So actually that same night, because of all this buzz and like how awful this was, and they had an idea he was in Boston, he was actually apprehended. So that same night, March 6th, mm-hmm. he did not get away with shit. No, by 7 p.m. they got him and brought him back to Portsmouth. Yep, and he was literally wearing that brand new suit he bought over his old clothes. Jesus Christ. Which is like... Just part with a man. They're just rags at this right, point. what is wrong with you? Like, what is the attachment out? to these clothes? <laughs> well, I had my first murder in these clothes. <laughs> so the next day, March 7th, 1873, Lewis was put on a train and sent back to Portsmouth, where he was actually followed by an extremely angry crowd who were demanding for Lewis to be murdered, which is correct. Good idea. And they literally had, like, this was actually reported. This is a fact of the case. Mm-hmm. It's not even an exaggeration. They had pitchforks and flaming torches. <laughs> fully. That's funny. Like, that was part of the report. That's funny. So, he gets off the train. He's rushed into the police wagon. Mm-hmm. The wagon is pelted with stones and pieces of just whatever the mob could pick up Ugh. off the street. Yeah. All the way to the police station. Yep. I believe it. Waiting for him at the police station is another angry mob. Mm-hmm. It's so bad that police had to form a barricade, kind of a human shield for this guy. And people are screaming, kill him, lynch him, lynch him, kill him, flaming torches and pitchforks. That's crazy. And the total amount of people that partook in this mob, Mm -hmm. 10,000 people. They came from everywhere. They came from all corners and crevices and other islands. And <laughs> they just wanted to watch a public. <laughs> they came out of the woodwork. Oh, yeah. for sure. Which is like fucked. right, and this is their only form of entertainment. That's honestly, tr- that's true. That is true. It's still winter in New Hampshire and Maine. Yeah, there's not a whole lot going on. It's no. dreary. It's snowy. It's cold. Yeah. Oh my God, this guy committed several murders. Mm-hmm. Let's get his ass. Yep. And so they're fucking. Fuming. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, is that if you meant, remember, I mentioned earlier, um, Smutty Nose is technically in the jurisdiction of Maine. Yes. So they actually had him put in a jail in Maine, in Alfred, Maine, which is in southern Maine. It's probably about, it's probably about like 20 to 25 minutes from where I work. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say ugh, I'm not good with anything ever. Not, not very many exits up pass when you get into Maine. You yeah. know, it's not far at all. Um, like, I have co-workers who live in Alfred. Like, it's not far. Um, so, he was put there, and his trial began on June 9th of 1873. There was nine days of testimony, mm-hmm. and the circumstances and the evidence was kind of damning, not gonna lie. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked about some of it already. Marin um, hearing the screams of Lewis, 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 whatever. The $16 that he stole being the exact amount that he purchased his new clothes, etc. Also, the most crazy thing was that one of Marin's buttons had been found in his collection of coins. They were like, bro, why do you have that? You haven't lived with them for like six months. You got a thing for Marin, a married woman, you freaking pedophile? I don't know. (laughs) They were like, bro. Yeah. So, also, he had hid a bloody shirt in the bathroom of his boarding house before he left for Boston. Dumb. This same boarding house where John and the rest of the men he was with, so Ivan and Matthew, they were baiting trolls Mm -hmm. out there. Um, And this boarding house was owned by the Johnson family. And so, the Johnson family is like, oh, while you guys wait for your bait and are working through the night... 
come stay with us. Sure. So it's yeah. crazy because they were under the same roof. Oh, they would have been under awful. the same roof. That's awful. Yeah. I had no idea. That's terrible. Yeah. So Lewis's own testimony, it was described as rambling and sometimes incoherent. He claimed he was working that night baiting trolls for another fishing boat. Mm. But when they were like, okay, what was the name of the boat? He goes, oh, I don't remember. Oh, funny. Um, he, huh. co- he also couldn't remember the name of the captain or the location of the pier he was supposedly at. Sure. Then he said, after work, he went to a saloon, had two beers, and then went to sleep outside. Casually, in a nice, warm march evening right yeah right but then they were like oh cool where'd you go get beers he goes i don't remember yeah right buddy um also the whole sleeping outside situation i call bullshit on that because that's how you die of hypothermia correct and not two beers isn't gonna right probably make you make that decision first of all correct yeah no so he was he was destroyed. In fact, the jury deliberated for 55 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, so we're just going to sit here for a little bit and just pretend that he's... Yeah. Okay. And they came out and they're like, yeah, that guy's guilty as hell. And so he was. And he was actually sent back to jail in Maine, in Alfred, Maine. Here he actually managed to escape. This was nuts. After just a week of a sentencing. Mm-hmm. Um... He picked a lock with a sharpened end of a toothbrush, and he, he placed a stool in his bed and was like, oh, they'll think I'm sleeping. <laughs> and I'm like, what? what? And then so he waited until 3 a.m. when the guards had their collective break, which I think seems a little, um, maybe we should work on that technique. Right, why is everyone taking a break all at once at 3 yeah, a.m.? Like, obviously be... someone's going to catch on. Yeah, so he did that. Luckily, he was recaptured very quickly. In New Hampshire, like, yeah. right away. This was so funny. So he ended up finding a farmhouse in New Hampshire, and this kindly farmer <laughs> allowed him to stay. Aww. But when word broke that he escaped, another angry mob formed, mm. tracked him down, yep. and dragged him back to prison. As they should. It's so funny. <laughs> and finally, on June 25th, 1875, just... A little over two years after he brutally, brutally murdered Annette and Karen Christensen, Lewis Wagner was hung at the state prison in Thomaston, Maine. Mm-hmm. Good riddance. Or, yeah. or was not. it a mistake? Right. Dun, dun. Um, so while Lewis was hanged, there was another man that was hanged with him. His name was John True Gordon. He murdered his brother's wife and child. Gordon was begging for his life mm-hmm. all up until he was hanged, but Wagner remained silent and up until his death maintained that he was innocent. Yeah, right. And because he was so consistent and so insistent mm-hmm. that he was innocent, a lot of people actually believed him. Huh. Um, I say bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Marin and John Honfen, they ended up moving to Portsmouth, New Hampshire. John continued working as a fisherman. This is really sad. Ivan worked as a carpenter on Appledore for the rest of the summer of 1873. Mm -hmm. He always worked, so he kept his old cottage in his line of sight. He was never out of sight of it. He always had to be looking at it. Yeah. He was absolutely heartbroken because his his true love, Annette, was murdered, and and he had to go find her body. Yeah, and they were newlyweds, too, when they got to the island. They were were so in love, right. Yeah, yeah. So in love. So at the end of that summer, um, after... His bride, Annette, was murdered. He returned by himself to Norway, and he was never heard from again. Oh, poor baby. 
Um, there are some people who do believe that Lewis is innocent, mm. and their main theory about that is with his rheumatoid arthritis, could he have oh. been able to row five hours in the middle of the winter, basically, mm. from Portsmouth to Smutty Nose Island? That's a good point. But I think if you are desperate yes. and you're starving yeah. and your clothes are in tatters and this is really your only option and you see this opportunity and you feel as though you have to take it, you're going to get there and you're going to take it. I think you're probably right about that. Yeah. Um, some other theories that people have floating around. So some people think that Marin was the killer. Hmm. This was very strange to me. Yeah, I mean, I can see why they would make that conclusion. For sure, for sure. Like, she's the one who, she just had needed someone to blame. Right. And of course, the two women can't testify and say, oh no, it was definitely Marin. But also, why would Marin kill her sister and her sister-in-law? There didn't seem to be any reason. No, and she had busted her ass getting her sister Karen and then Annette and Moore family over to the house to begin with. Right. So. Um, there was also an unsubstantiated rumor published by a number of newspapers in 1876 that claimed that Marin confessed on her deathbed. Oh. Because she did pass away in 1876. She was very young. Wow, mm -hmm. just three years later, yeah. Um, and then another theory is that John was the killer mm. because they said in Marion's own testimony, Karen thought the man that was killing her was John. Right. She screamed, John, is that you? And then right. John's killing me. Right. John's killing me. Right. So maybe the theory goes that John did the murders and Marion covered for him. But this is obviously a less popular theory. Yeah. I could see that where they came to that conclusion too, though. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. And then a little fun fact, the rock where Marion was able to hide out and mm -hmm. survive, it's yeah. named after her. It's called Marion's Rock. And you can go there on Spunny Nose Island. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm sensing another True Crown New England field trip, <laughs> perhaps. Let's take a, a schooner over there and let's check it out. Let's, let's see if we could row the five hours. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. no, thank no, you. Thank you. <laughs> That's what they have um, technology for. These yeah, days. literally. Electric motors. Yeah, that case is just crazy. Nuts. Absolutely bonkers. Mm -hmm. Jesus, it is a lot. It's definitely a lot. And I'm glad we could finally touch on it. Yeah, for sure. It, it's definitely a historical one. It lives up to the hype, I would say. Definitely. For sure. It has a lot of elements of... A whole lot of things. Oh my god, yeah. There's history. There's women from Norway. There's <laughs> fishing. There's baiting. There's suits. Conspiracy, Conspiracy theories. theories. A prison break. Woo! So that's crazy. Yeah. Wow. And that's the case of uh, the Smutty-Nosed Island Murders, otherwise known as... The Isle of Shoals Murders. Exactly. Crazy stuff. Now guys, although we haven't been doing podcast episodes we've been pretty active on our social media mm -hmm. so you guys should check us out on instagram and twitter at true crime me all lowercase and you can email us at true crime me at gmail.com or you can find us on our website at true crime me.com we have a handy dandy submission tool where you can send us your story send us cases you'd like for us to cover Heck yeah. you can be anonymous if you want to if it's something personal to you or you could just write us in and chat with us and mm -hmm. send us in a case that you think we'd like to know about. We love it. We yeah. love talking with you guys. We've gotten some emails. We've gotten some submissions. We get DMs all the time. Mm -hmm. It's amazing and we love it. So cool. We love chatting with you guys. So thank you for the support. Yeah. We hope to just continue to improve and put out stories and information in the new year. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.